Darkness fall across the land. The midnight hour is close at hand. Creatures clawed in search of blood to terrorize your neighborhood. And whosoever shall be found. Without the soul for getting down, you must be standing face the bounds of hell. And a rot inside of a coarse shell. The foulest stench in the air. The funk of 40,000 years and grisly growls from every tomb are closing in to share your doom. And though you fight to stay alive, your body start to shiver. For no more mere mortal can exist. The evil of the thriller. <laughs> Hello, how do you do? We are the boys in white and blue, and we're back with another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of Beautiful, British Columbia. I'm Michael McCall. And I'm Zachary Adam Eisenheimer. And happy Halloween, everybody. Happy anniversary, Michael and Caitlin. Oh, thank you. I I know this is the kind of night I get to put the willies up, Caitlin, because it is our 20th anniversary. 20 long years is how yes. Caitlin described it to me earlier this afternoon. She, she did. Well, yeah, we got we got married in the same years, the same year. Because ah. we were, yeah, what did this, what did this 2022, yeah, yeah, 2002. Yep, it is my World 20th wedding anniversary. So I just want to start the show by giving a, a big shout out to my long-suffering wife, who is a wonderful wife, letting me go and do all this nonsense. Well, I say letting me, she's glad of the time on her own, I'm pretty sure, because then she doesn't <laughs> have to spend it with me. But she 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 doesn't complain. And that's all you can ask for, really. So happy anniversary darling and happy halloween as well and of course we kicked off the show there at the start the music before the theme song with the favorite thing what well, i think actually probably the favorite thing that we've done in the podcast and we've got to thank steve for getting that arranged which was pamadu ka's version of thriller we dig that out every couple of years mm. and i yeah. just i just think it's fantastic pa's just got the perfect voice for that so we wanted to dig that out again. We'll have a, a slight Halloween theme running through the, this show as as well. And we'll, we'll be talking Whitecaps. We'll be handing out our first awards of the this season. We like to do our postseason awards. We'll be looking at the MLS playoffs. We'll be looking at the CPL Championship game. And we've got a feature interview with Whitecaps star player Ryan Gold. So we'll get into all of that. Before we do, though, I think I should probably let the listeners into the inner workings of AFTN and say, hopefully you can hear us both <laughs> properly in the podcast this week, because I had an absolute nightmare last week because I'd been playing about and I was on different Zoom calls that I wasn't planning on asking a question to. So I hadn't attached my microphone because I wasn't going to ask anything. I was just listening in. My laptop then, when we came to record the podcast last week, picked up my internal microphone and not my proper microphone that I'm using just now. So every but time... Hang on. How did, how, did, 
how did you sound so good on the on the podcast last week? Yes. So um, <laughs> you'll have noticed that Zach was a little bit tinny last week. Terrible. I don't know how you can't be more professional on the podcast. <laughs> But that was because as he spoke, my internal mic was picking up everything that he said and not just getting recorded normally. So when we first switched it on, Zach was like, I, I hear a fan or something. I was like, no, it's just your imagination. I, was, I hear a clock ticking. No, it was my computer <laughs> and everything getting absolutely screwed up. So after I went to edit it, you have noticed it came out a little bit later last week. I had to record every single part I had recorded again in a two and a half and hour show. it sounded show. great. I, 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 I did, yeah. It sounded great. You still sounded terrible. I don't know what was up there. <laughs> <laughs> so apologies for that, but it was... But, but people, you have to apologize, but people also have to thank you because it made the show a lot shorter. <laughs> yeah, I did. I cut out a lot of stuff. Lot Basically, of any banter we had, that went... Yeah. It would have been forced. It wouldn't have been proper banter. So, yeah, I've cut that out. Um, I, when we speak to Ryan Gold as well uh, in this part, there's a, a big chunk of that that's cut out. I got quite a dis distracted because obviously when you sit down with your team's best player, designated player, and you've only got a limited time to speak to him, you do waste five minutes talking about dogs and the Oregon coast. Naturally. Yeah, so I cut that out. If anyone ever does want to hear it, let us know and we'll... We'll get my recommendations as to where Ryan should go when he goes down the coast. That will all make sense shortly. But let's just get into it. First of all, I'll say, unfortunately, Steve can't make the show again tonight. But he has submitted his award winners for us to go over in parts one and parts two. So it is one of our favourite times of years. It's AFT and awards season. Cue the music. <laughs> Yes, the AFTN Awards, we're going to kick them off in this episode with our Whitecaps-centric awards. We're going to be handing out the gongs for the best player, the best young player, goal of the season, game of the season, save of the season, and a, a lot more besides. And I, I think we'll, we'll start off with the big one. First award up, the Whitecaps Player of the Year, last year, it was Max Cropot. So obviously it's a cursed award. Um, well, I don't know. He's gone on to bigger and better things, into more and more trophies. And true, actually, maybe it's not a cursed award. It's, it's an impetus to spur him on to bigger and better things. Let's hope yeah. this year's he's award winner doesn't shield. do the same thing. He's got it. Yeah, two yeah. two trophies so far. He's got a yeah supporter shield and Western Conference champions. Who knows what else he's going to add to that next weekend? That. That's the kind of ambition he was looking for. Yeah. Well, the, I think the player of the year this year, I mean, it, it was pretty much clear-cut last year with Max Cropo as well. For me, it's Ryan Gold this year. Would you disagree? No, I think I think it's hard to disagree with that. I think, the, I know it's hard to uh, even give not, um, honorable mention to people who didn't play the whole season, but it's, for for me, I think the team drastically improved when Kubas joined the center of the midfield, um, and then I think uh, I I think maybe maybe third for me might have been like Tristan Blackman. Mm -hmm. um, I, 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 I might I, I might have had Blackman second just 
because he played the more games. But yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's hard to disagree with either of those. Steve's vote as well was for for Ryan Gold for for Player of the Year as well, and it's it's something that you want. You want your designated players to play at the top of the game. You want them to be the difference makers, and and he certainly was. And he didn't play in every game this year either, which is the thing. He he played in 28 mm. of the 34 games. But we'll chat a little bit more about Ryan shortly. But I did get a chance, as I mentioned, to, to sit down with Ryan this week just to chat about his season. Look ahead to next season, which is a very exciting one from a Whitecaps point of view, as we spoke to Vanny about last week, fighting on four different fronts and some different competition that we're going to be facing as well in the League's Cup and the CONCACAF Champions League. And I also, obviously, a lot of speculation is, why is Ryan Gold not in the Scotland squad? Will he get in the Scotland squad? Maybe we should be thinking bigger. What if Ryan Gold became Canadian? These are the things I put to him. Go stick the kettle on, grab a chocolate digestive, and enjoy a chat with AFTN Whitecaps Player of the Year, Ryan Gold. So, Ryan, thanks so much for, for doing this. I was just thinking how long you've been here. It's only, it's not even 15 months yet. It feels longer. Because I thought you'd been here about a year. The last year. Yeah. So, because I'm thinking you've been here a season and a half, but then you've not actually been in Vancouver for, for that long. So, how how have you settled in? How have you you found your first full year here and feel like home? Yeah, it does. It's, you know, it's a very easy place to, to settle down. Um and you know, in football terms, I think it was quite a year of ups and downs um, for myself personally and for for the team. So it was like took a while to get going. You know, after after the like kind of like the high we came off of last year, um, the way we reached the playoffs, kind of when nobody gave us a chance. Um, obviously, the playoff game was frustrating, but there was real there was real positivity around the place that you know we could go and. Um, reach that like third, fourth place this year, um, and then I, I think just the slow start kind of hampered us a lot, and we're, we've been playing catch up a lot of the year, and um, you know injuries here and there found it found it pretty difficult, and you know we put a good run a good run together at the end of the season, and um, unfortunately it was just too little, too late, and um. But you know the way the way the season ended um, it was a lot. We were all frustrated, so you know it's a lot of it's a lot of frustrating energy that um, we're going to use to you know put things right next year. Yeah, we'll we'll get into a a lot of that and just look forward as well to what's going to be an exciting twenty twenty three. But by the looks of things, most importantly though, how is the dog settled in? Oh, they're good. Yeah, they've made themselves right at home. So um, they seem to be liking it. You know, one of my dogs loves the rain. The other one hates it. So <laughs> um, we've not actually had that that bad weather this year. But no, they're they're both in, they're both enjoying it. 
you know they they like getting down to the beach and stuff so I, I hear you're, you're going on a wee trip down the Oregon coast, which is one of my favourite places in the world to go down. I'm wearing my I Oregon coast. Hat, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, so we have, um, we're renting like a, a camper van and we're going to um, head down the coast awesome. um, for a couple of weeks. So we'll see how far we get, see how far we get down. You know, we've, we've not made any, any real plans with it. We're kind of going to be as loose as we can with it. And just, um, you know, if we really like a place, you know, hang around for a couple of days and then move on to the next place and just work our way down and, you know, see how far, see how far we get down. You've you been down before? No, no, no. This will be my first time. You have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. We're both looking forward to it. I won't waste our time talking about dogs as much as I really, really would like to. Um, so, like, football-wise, you, you seem to be really in, enjoying your football here. I, I've read interviews that you, you've done recently talking a, about that as well. I, I know I, I get pissed off when I'm talking to folk back in Scotland because they look down still on MLS and they just don't feel it's at a good level. But then... You look at Scottish football, and with all respect to, to that, apart from the top two, I think everyone in MLS would regularly win in, in the Scottish Premier. So, I mean, how have you found this level? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, I think it's a better league than than what people back at home kind of look look at it like. Um, you know, it used to have the it used to have the reputation of a league where like you'd come to finish your career. Um, but you see some of the signings that are happening. I mean, Bale came here to get fitness before the World Cup. Um, Ricky Pug that went to Galaxy um, from Barcelona, like he must have had his his pick of the clubs in in um, Europe to go to, and you know he wanted to come to MLS. So I think there's still that stigma going about. Um, but you know, there's a lot of a lot of very good players here. Uh, Technically, very good, you know. Um, kids that come up from South America as well. Like we've we've got a few that are extremely talented. So, um, it definitely it doesn't. I think people back at home they don't kind of manage to wrap their heads around it. I mean, how often would they watch games? Like with the yeah. hours they're on back at home, you know, not a lot of people are going to be watching. So, um, I that see that's the thing I I do these five podcast with some of my mates back there and one of them just he hates MLS and says oh it's a rubbish league and like he doesn't I mean, he understand why someone like you's there and it's like oh he should come back and play in Scotland and he he just they won't accept the the level of it does it piss you off that folk feel you're playing at a lower level than than you could be not really I mean this is where I want to be um I like I love it here my my missus loves it here so um you know we we tried going back to scotland and um kind of i think it was t- 2019 and oh when you went to hibs yeah yeah injuries happened so i didn't play as much and just generally living in scotland i wasn't happy so um you know why would i why would i stick around there just for the opinion the opinions of people that that i don't know if they think it's better for me like I, I know what's best for me, what's best for my family, and, um, you know, this is where it took us. Absolutely. Talking then uh, about this season, you, you touched on a, a lot of this stuff there, and it wasn't quite where the, the team wanted to be. I, I spoke to Vanny on Monday, and 
I, I talked about like last year's playoff game and then the Minnesota game, which was basically like a playoff game because you're playing to get in. And I, I asked them if it was something, maybe the mentality of the team that in the big games that you just couldn't get it done. But he said it's not even that. It's just away games and trying to get it done away from home. Have you found that to, to be a real difficult or a real difference to what you're used to? Like having to travel so much and then be at your top levels on the pitch? I, d- I don't think it, it, it comes down to the travel and stuff because, like, you know, we're travelling on chartered planes we're in and out of places and like the majority of the flights are like three hours it's nothing it's nothing drastic you know it's like we i mean we've proved uh in the home games when we need to win that we're capable of winning look at the galaxy seattle austin games especially at home and really good performances when we needed them uh and you know just it's yeah it's the away games i mean we've been we've been poor away from home this year and you see now, like if we, if we just picked up one or two more results away from home, um, then it would have been enough to reach the playoffs. But like, we're not saying we need to go and win every game away from home, but we need to be more consistent in in getting the results and you know getting good performances to build on and build the confidence and prove to ourselves that we're capable of going to these places and and getting the results. And. It, it's such a weird league because you're you're playing in so many different environments. We spoke about that at, at the end of last season, like playing down in the, the Texas heat and the altitude and everything. Yeah. For, for you yourself, obviously the start of the season wasn't how you wanted it to go. You had a, a couple of concussions. That must have been a scary time, though, to have two in quick succession like that. Were you starting to to wonder what was happening? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something I've not experienced before. Uh, you know, I hadn't, I don't think I'd even had one concussion before and then two in quite quick succession. Um, but, you know, I had to just take my time with it, make sure, you know, make sure I was feeling good, um, go through all the league's protocols and stuff. And then, you know, when I, when I felt good, I returned and then, um, you know, I've had no problems since. So, it was a bit, yeah. It was a bit of a strange time, you know, dealing with that kind of things. Like, you, you know, you're not right. You know, there's that. You know, you you might take a few days before you're you're feeling good again, and um, and there's nothing you can do to speed up the process. You know, it's just how long your body takes to recover. And um, yeah, thankfully, like since the second one, I've not really had any any problems with it. And towards the end of the season, you were really hitting your stride and like flying and the goals were coming, the assists were coming. And aside from not making the playoffs, but do do you just wish the season was going because you were starting to really hit top form? Yeah, I feel like it it took me until halfway through the season before I started getting into rhythm and getting consecutive 90 minutes uh, under my belt. So it was was frustrating that it took that long for me to kind of start putting in what I would look at as good performances. Uh, I don't think in the first half of the season I had not even two games where I would look back and say, yeah, I played well. So uh, I'm glad I managed to turn it around in the second half of the season, but now my focus is on making sure that next year it's from from the off, from the first game of the season that you know I need to be 
at the levels I was reaching at the end of the season. And, um, you know, that's going to come from a good pre-season. I need to make sure that I'm coming into the season fit and it's not going to take me 10 games to get up to speed. Uh, that's also going to help with preventing injuries and stuff. So, you know, it's it's all down to me and how, you know, how I go about my off-season and my pre-season to, you know, hopefully determine how the season's going to start for me. Now, the big success on the, the pitch was obviously winning the Canadian Championship. I, I know you were involved with Deportivo Avis when they were Portugal Cup champions, but I also know you didn't play in the semi in the final. Did you get a Cup winner's medal for that run? I did, yeah. Um, I played in every game up until the up until the semi final. You know, after the, I think after we won the quarter final on penalties, um, like two weeks later, the manager was sacked and a new manager came in, and you know we didn't really see eye to eye. So um, I only played a handful of minutes with him, and then unfortunately for me, it was the semi final and the final. I was left out of all three games, so I, I still I still did get the medal, but. You know, not being able to be a huge part of it in the biggest in the biggest games was frustrating. So, you know, I was glad to be able to play the ninety minutes this year and uh, and you know help the team to help us all to achieve that. And but but winning that is obviously now unlocked a a lot of stuff for the club. And like next year, fighting on four fronts, you've got MLS, you've got the Canadian Championship again, but you've also now got the Concacaf Champions League. You've got this Leagues Cup that's going to be in the summer as well. As a player, that must be exciting because I know you've not played European club competitions like Europa League and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So this is our best equivalent and now you've got two bites at the cherry next year. It must be exciting. Yeah, it's it's exciting, you know, to get um, the two new the two new tournaments that, you know, obviously I've not played in, a lot of the boys haven't played in. So everyone's really looking forward to it and... Um, you know, it's going to feel more like a European season with the number of games we'll hopefully have to play. Uh, you know, hopefully we can progress in the Champions League, um, the Canadian Championship again. And I think the League's Cup were guaranteed three games, I think. Yeah, I think so. so. You know, it, sh- it could be like a 40 to 45 game season, which is, you know, it's good. It's what the boys want to do. We all want to be playing. We don't want to be, you know, waiting, missing weekends, uh, having weekends without games and stuff, we want to be playing all the time. So, you know, it's it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, you know, dealing with four kind of tournaments at the same, four competitions at the same time is going to be is going to be interesting. You know, there'll be a lot of rotation and stuff, and you know, everyone's going to need to make sure they're ready because everyone will be called upon at some point. Uh, and and different opposition as well, or hopefully mostly different opposition. I, I know you can get drawn with MLS clubs in the League Cup, but you're guaranteed probably a Mexican team in, in the Champions League. Who knows where you, you could end up playing as well. So, Yeah, we played a Mexican team in pre-season um, in San Diego last year. I mean, they I think they just started their season. It was one of our first games of pre-season, so they were a step ahead in fitness, but it kind of gave us a, a look into you know, what we're going to come up against. And it's very good players, technically really, really good players. So, um, yeah, it's going to be a good experience for all of us. We're all looking forward to it. And, you know, we're not just going to go there um, just satisfied to be in the competition. Obviously, we're going to want to win games and progress as far as we can. A recent interview that I read in one of the papers back in Scotland, you were talking about you're happy having the stability and your long-term or your 
immediate short term to medium term future, you're just looking at, at Vancouver. It's as a player where there was so much speculation as to where you were going to go before you ended up coming here. It must just be refreshing now that you can just concentrate on your football. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's not a lot of times in my career so far in the nine or ten years I've been playing where, you know, a season ends and a lot of the time I have no idea where I'm going to be come a month's time, two months' time. So it's actually, it's been it's been really good for for us to, you know, finish the season. We can plan our holidays, getting back to Scotland. And, you know, we know we're going to be back here, which is, um, it's just, it's, it kind of relaxes you on some level, you know, like not having to worry about relocating and, you know, packing up a house, moving places. It's just, it's nice to be able to just, completely not worry about anything during the off season um, go and enjoy ourselves and you know come back refreshed and ready to go and I know whenever I speak to anyone about Whitecaps and they hear I'm Scottish and then they talk about you and I'm, I'm fed up folk asking me why is Ryan not in the Scotland setup. I know you get constantly asked this and I won't dwell on it too much because I, I read what you said recently but you can apply for citizenship here by the end of your contract. You could be playing for Canada at the 2026 World Cup. Would you look at that? I, I mean, you can never say never. I've not, I've not actually thought about it. But uh, you know, who knows? Like, who knows what's going to happen in the future? So, uh, I'm just, you know, personally, I'm not, I'm not looking at that. I'm not looking at, you know, forcing my way into the to the Scotland setup. If it happens, it happens. If not, like, we'll see where that is in three years. And, um, you know, what will be, will be. Good attitude. Anyway, thank you so much for your, your time, Ryan. So you're heading back to Scotland for Christmas? For Christmas and New Year, yeah. And also with to look at wedding venues and stuff. So oh, but to give ourselves an extra couple of, an extra week or 10 days or something to go and get that sorted. So Oh, congratulations. Anyway, have a great time. Enjoy down the I, coast. Thank you um, very much. When you come back next year, I'll I'll see what you thought about it all because I don't think you're on it. it. Yeah, there, there's so many. If you're a coffee person, there's so many little coffee shacks and huts that you can just I've, drive in and stop. I've probably heard, and that's one of the things we're looking forward to. So I'll have a have a great time. There. Good luck with the off season and everything, and I'll talk to you next year. Take care. Ryan Gold there, future Canadian international, Zach. I've put the idea in his head now. Uh, I'm going to say no, but I guess never say never. Hmm. That's what, what Ryan said. But, I mean, yeah, you heard there that Ryan, he doesn't actually feel that he had that good a season. It, for him, it was a season of up and downs. He finished the year with eight goals and nine assists from 28 games. But... It, it was a tough season for him injury-wise because he had those two concussions, then COVID yeah. as well, and it, it was a slow start for him. And as we talked about there, he just was starting to find his groove and starting to hit the form, and then the season comes to an end. And it, it's a shame because you'd have liked to have seen what he could maybe have done in the playoffs and where he could have taken this team. But, I mean, he was the second highest scorer 
one goal behind Cava. He led the team in assists with five. Dahomey was next on four, which kind of shows you where maybe some of the other things fell down in this team in terms of getting assists. I think he had a, a great season, but it's, in a way it's good that he feels he doesn't because he holds himself to much higher standards. Yeah, that's something he's been consistent about, right? Um, he's not happy, I think, because he thinks the the team can be and, and should be getting better results. And that's what you want from your from your players. Mm-hmm. And he feels he should be contributing more. So, I mean, look, if we can get a full 34-game MLS, 34-game healthy Ryan Gold next season, I mean, that would be fantastic. But it's also exciting for a guy like Ryan. He, like he's played over in Europe. He's played in Portugal. And he's never played, though, in European competition because the club he was with in Portugal, although they won the Portuguese Cup, they hadn't applied for entry to the Europa League. So they weren't able to play. I, I, I don't understand it either, but they weren't able to play in European competition. So he's never played in in Europa League. He's never played in Champions League. So being in the CONCACAF Champions League, this League's Cup, although some folk may feel it's just a big glorified friendly, I don't think it is. It is like a continental competition. And these are the kind of things that's going to excite a player like Ryan Gold. It's a new challenge. And as he spoke about there, really enthusiastic about going up against Mexican opposition. Who knows what the Champions League will, will throw up. We'll find that out soon with the the draw coming up next month. But that's the kind of stuff that excites a player. And he's already happy here. And I know I'd kind of maybe speculated, would he want to move on if a, a team came in for him? He's more than happy here. And having the lure of all these competitions next year genuinely excites him. Yeah, I mean, Champions League, even though it's, you know, the CONCACAF version, I think is exciting for players like himself who have, you know, grown up with the game and understanding, you know, these kinds of things. I know I know we've, we've talked lots over the years of the disappointment of the crowds or the, the local understanding or uptake or appreciation for or whatever. You don't have that with a player who's, who's from Europe. And when you say Champions League, they know what it is. They know how important it is. They know how significant it is. And they know it leads them to the possibility, like your friends in Seattle are going to have, Michael, of playing against the best club in Europe, the yeah. best club in South America, the best clubs from around the world. And so, um, yeah, I, I think for him, for a player like him, it's it's something he wants to be a part of and that he'll take every opportunity on top of what you just said in terms of not being able to to have done it before and, you know, in his, his journeys in football in, in Portugal, in Portugal in particular. And like genuinely, as, as much as it pains me to say this, and it does pain me to say this, Zach, but Seattle winning the Champions League is probably one of the best things that could have happened for the competition on this continent. Because when fans then see them playing at a Club World Cup, it's going to be like, oh, this opens the door to that. And maybe folk will start to take it a little bit more seriously. And maybe I'm just living in hope that it is going to catch on, but... No, I, I, I agree with you on, on all fronts on that. As annoying as it is, is that it's Seattle. It will raise the understanding of the competition and the profile of it and the and I think the importance of it. And it will just bring the consciousness in, obviously, in, you know, Seattle, in Washington, in Cascadia, but across the entire continent, it will bring it, make it even, you know, more significant in the same way that, you know, Montreal's run did, I think, in, especially in Montreal, in the province of Quebec, same thing with Toronto's run to the final. 
And to a lesser degree, what Vancouver's run to the quarterfinals a number of years ago. Yep, very much so. So thanks for Ryan for taking the time out to to chat with us, and hope he has a great holiday and a great trip down the Oregon coast. Genuinely looking forward to chanting when he gets back next year about what what he thought of it all. And as I said, we cut a big chunk of that out just talking about recommendations as to where to go. But if you ever want to hear it, we'll maybe stick it in a, an extra podcast. But that is it for this part. We're going to get really into our awards now in part two, and we will be back with that after this. Hi, I'm Ryan Gold, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Drink my blood, fall in love, chew my cud, mess my head, crush my heart, molten lead, read my palm, give me some black candy. Black candy. Spinning straw into gold, it's just strike every so Joan of Arc, help on hay, ball and chain, kneel and pray, black candy. Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part is the final song from our Artist of the Month for October here at AFTN from Olympia in Washington State, US of A, Beat Happening. And that was their song Black Candy, the title track from their 1989 third album, and I thought black candy kind of ties in with Halloween. Zach's shoving a black candy in his mouth just now. What kind of candy was that? It looked like a kind of fruit pastel-esque kind of thing or a wine gum. Yeah, but no, like a chewy something or other. Hmm. Today's a carb day. Ah, that's why you've been shoving all that stuff in your mouth while we've been chatting. I have been wondering. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, he's hungry. He's got the munchies or something. But yeah, black candy. Yeah, I haven't eaten dinner. I, I, haven't, I haven't eaten dinner either. Oh, We'll try and get through these quick for you. I mean, it is 11 o'clock at night, but there we go. So a beat <laughs> happening there with Black Candy. A couple of other songs that I could have picked from them to tie in with Halloween. There was a song called Bewitched. There was a Grave Robber or Grave Diggers Blues. And um, yeah, a couple of other ones as well. But I went with Black Candy. Never been a fan of Black Candy. I always prefer the orange ones or the, the strawberry or the, the lime ones. But to each their own. We'll be moving on to our new Artist of the Month next month. I'm torn between two bands for, for next month. One, a band that I love that I've never seen live and they've just reformed for some gigs over in the UK, Prolapse. And I'd love them to come back over here. I probably that is not going to happen. Or the other band I might have is Suede, who I am going to see this week on Thursday. They were meant to be at the PE forum, but they obviously you couldn't sell all your tickets, sell all your tickets, and it's been moved to the Commodore, which is a bit concerning because it's a double bill with Manic Street Preachers. So two massive UK bands, at least from the nineties. I yeah, guess oh they yeah. maybe don't have huge fan bases over here in the twenty twenties. So the Commodore might be quite kind of full. 
I'm thinking it's going to be full. If it's not full, then that's pretty bad for two big bands. Mm. The new Suede album is absolutely fantastic. I've been playing it non-stop in the car this week. So, yeah, might have them as Artists of the Month. We'll see how the, the concert goes. And if I enjoy it, we'll have Suede for next month. But let's get into the rest of our Whitecaps AFTN Awards for this part. And as I said, Steve has given us his suggestions for it. So we'll we'll each start with a a nomination for each of these categories. So, Zach, let's start with you for this one. We're going to hand out the award next for Whitecaps Young Player of the Year. Last year, it was Diber Caicedo. I'm starting to think our awards could be jinxes. Max left. <laughs> Diver got an injury that ruled him out for this season. <laughs> Who's your young player of the year? And the, the criteria for this is 23-ish or under. Could be a player from the first team, the second team, the academy, whatever you really choose. You can set your own criteria for this. No, I can't say what I was going to say. <laughs> was it going to be I... Ali Adnan? No, oh, <laughs> no, that's another good. That's another good shot. I was gonna say I was gonna. People would take this obviously extremely wrong, but I was gonna say Russell Tiber, man. He's, does he age? He's like the same. He he looks like the same as when he first got here. No, okay, not quite that young, but oh, he's well, very. He, he does have a very interesting portrait of himself in the attic. Sorry, what now? Oh, you're not into your classic literature. Huh? D- Dorian Gray, the picture of Dorian no. Gray by Oscar Wilde. Oh yeah, no. Okay, Let, let's just move on. I, I'm too highbrow, <laughs> obviously, for you for this. As I said, it's eleven o'clock at night. No, I think I know who you're going to pick for this. So, um, I, I yeah, yeah, who are the who do you consider like a young a young player that is most of the like White Caps some... team? Are it's they a very really young, young team? No, but they're. They're yeah, they're in their early like you know okay so one player is like a Ryan Raposo but I don't think of him as being young. I feel like he's been here for like forever, right? So then you're left with like I just say twenty three ish or under. That no, was the, that, that was the criteria. No, I know. Then you're left with like Beecher and and Ahmed and whatever you know. Well, I'll, I'll, if it helps, I'll tell you who Steve went for. He went with yeah. Pedro Vite. Yeah, I, I've already told you that. I don't think he was good enough this year. And it's concerning that his motivation, what his motivation for his better performances was, which, or, or you know, the whole idea of trying to you know, get into the Ecuador squad, which, again, you know, any I, I would say that, that. that that's probably not his only motivation, but it was one of the motivations. No, 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 no. It might have just got I, a I just little think, bit blown out. We, we might have added some arms and legs to this. It, it might it might be lost in translation or whatever, but like, I don't think if I don't think he would want to want that. I don't think you would want that public, <laughs> personally. I don't know, but uh, so that so maybe I'm misunderstanding what he was what he was saying, or I don't know all his other motivations. But I, I don't know. I kind of I see his performances through that lens, and it's hard for me not to to have that impacted for me so yeah i, w- I wouldn't say vite well i mean I he, guess maybe he's just turned helped... 20. no no i know he's young oh don't mm. get me wrong i know he's young um how old is Re- does reposo fit or is he too actually old or... yeah well i mean he's 23 in may so i mean i said 23 ish okay. or uh, under so he, he does he does fit 
I'll I'll, yeah. I'll say Raposo then. Okay. I've gone with a player that's not on the MLS squad, but did play on the MLS team, which is Ali Ahmed. And I, I know... You see, for me... Is that what you could say? No, for me, it's just the lack of contribution to the first team. Like, I know he made some big contributions, but they're too few. Like, the sample size is too small. But I'm not just looking at it from his first team. No, no, I know. I know. I'm looking know, at it in the whole Whitecaps organization because he, he, he did make two sub-appearances for the first team. 54 minutes was his total. In WFC 2, he made 15 appearances and he led the team on five assists. So for me, I've kind of combined all that, and I've I've gone with with Ali for for that. And he's not as young as I think either, because he's like twenty two. Twenty two, right? yeah. Yeah. Okay. See, I would have thought he was way younger than that. I I was a bit surprised as well because I was like, how old is he again? I was like, oh, he's twenty two. Because that he he made the move from Toronto, and when he came into the program with the development team, I know Vanny was very high on him because Vanny was in charge of the team at the time. And when we spoke to Ali earlier this year, he credits Vanny so much with just his development and continued development. I'll be absolutely stunned if he does not get an MLS deal. And I'm pretty sure he's going to be on the the first team squad. And I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do because I like my fullbacks to add assists. I I always say that. I like that attacking edge, your YP Lee that can just go forward, but also can add assists. Gressel can add assists if he's playing fullback or wingback. Ahmed can play fullback. He can play wingback. He can also play in a midfield role as well. So he's got that versatility. So for me, I, I went with Ali, but I mean, Ryan Raposo is a good shout because Ryan did have a very good season. And as we spoke about when we did our in out on the bubble with Ryan, he needs to, to show that that wasn't his ceiling and that he's got another gear to move into. For for me at least, that that's what I'm looking to see from him now. Oh yeah, totally. He definitely needs to take his performance in the second team and his brief appearances in the first team and and and, ra- and raise that level. But I think I think he's a good shout, uh, uh, and he I think there's the potential there, right? So. Yeah. Now, the the next award we're going to do, I know, I know it's one that you might not want to actually give your nomination for because you haven't seen a, a lot of it. But it, it's Academy Player of the Year. And I guess we can open yeah. that up now to also like the WFC2 Development Squad Player of the Year, even if you wanted to do that as well. So Steve's vote for this was actually Ali Ahmed. And that's yeah. a fair shout. As I say, he led WFC2 with, with five assists. So if we weren't giving him young players, we're giving him that to Ryan Raposo, Ali would certainly tick the box for Academy Player of the Year I've given it to Christopher Album and that might be a player that folk are not very familiar with at all 19 year old striker he joined the Whitecaps Academy just last year 2021 from West Van FC and in his first season with the under 19s playing in the Fraser Valley Soccer League he scored 20 goals for the white caps that included three hat tricks and five braces and the end of his season was kind of derailed a bit because he had injuries so he didn't even play the full season when he got that 
That also then derailed his start to the League One BC campaign for the under-19s. And he, he, I think it was three or four games into the season that he actually started playing for, for the League One BC side, but he still managed to co-lead the team with five goals. He's left the academy programme now, that was his senior year, so he's gone to NCAA Division I school, Green Bay Phoenix, and in his rookie season he's made six appearances so far and he's got two goals. So he's a bright prospect for the future. We've had a couple of strikers come through before. You, you think of the likes of like Brody Hutema uh, as a prime example. Mm-hmm. But there, there's been other ones like Theo Bear, Caleb Clark mm-hmm. over the years, yeah. Ten Campbell. Some of them have reached levels, <clears> but they've maybe never quite reached that pinnacle that you're hoping that they were going to reach. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brody stands out. He was a beast. Yeah. That, he, he was so, the, so again, dominant. Cushions and everything just ended up ended yeah. his career, sadly. But I mean he was so he was so dominant when he was, was playing in the academy. It's always tough to take that next jump. So I'm really curious to see how Chris does in NCAA and also if he comes back in the summer and plays League One BC again. So I mean he got my vote, but I mean I, I could see a a good case for also giving it to, to Ali if we we're giving Ryan the young player of the year. Yeah, see, for this, I don't know these players as well, and even even as making my list, I was like, oh wait, Beecher doesn't count because he's a draft pick, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. Right? So, um, I mean, I, I'm or, only yeah. including Ali because he was part of the developmental squad before WFC2, yeah, exactly. so that's yeah, why so me, I feel he would qualify for that. What, the, would Brienza count for this year or no? Because he's no, he would, and he won he won yeah. the award last year as well, last and he, year, he yeah. had a yeah. He had a, a good start to the season because he got that call up for the, the first team. He got his goal. He got goals for WFC2 as well. But then he just didn't push on the way I expected him to push on this year. And I mean, he's, he's still maybe in the frame for getting a contract, but you've got the likes of Beecher and Easton Ungaro as well now that's involved with WFC2 that I think might have moved ahead of Emmy in the picking order. Yeah, Angaro is the one I just felt I felt bad for. Like, I want I, I'd, I'd love to see more of him and more from him. Um, maybe well, big big preseason maybe, coming up for him because if he can impress, yeah, I think he could he could. I have high hopes that he can actually make it at a at a good level. Um, but yeah, so for me, I like for this award though, Ahmed is. Would have been on my list, and then, uh, and then, yeah, someone like Brienza. That's fair. But I'm happy. If, I'm happy if this one goes. To, if this one goes to Ahmed. So the next award we're going to give is a new award. We're bringing a new one out this year, and it's Whitecaps Female Player of the Year. And I'm going to keep this one going right now. Obviously, it's just for the girls' academy side, but hopefully, with Steph LeBay coming on board, there's been a lot of talks. She's I think the hope is the Whitecaps are going to have a pro team, whether that's NWSL, whether that's in a Canadian pro league or whatever. I think moving forward, that is the grand plan just now. But for this year, and I know you and Steve, Steve didn't put a vote for it for this, and you probably won't as well, but I, I was commentating, my pleasure to, to commentate on the, the Whitecaps girls elite, basically an under-17 team that was in League 1 BC this season and won 
the inaugural League One BC Championship. And the first recipient of our Female Player of the Year award is Geneva Hernandez-Gray, 16-year-old midfielder from Coquitlam. She played for the girls' uh, elite side, got one goal during the regular season, but scored the 90th minute winner from the edge of the box in the championship game. And it's like, you could easily have that when we get to goal of the season. It's up there for like one of the goals of the season, but that might just be a bit niche to give that for goal of the season. She also played in all three games for Canada in the recent Under-17 World Cup in India. And still 16 years old, she bossed that midfield. She was a standout player. She was on my League One BC team of the season. And I'm really excited to see what she can go on and do. She'll get a scholarship down to one of the schools as well and hopefully start to come good in the pros after that. But very, very bright future for Geneva Hernandez-Gray. Yeah, I've only watched a little bit uh, of them in League One BC last year. But, uh, yeah, it's hard to disagree. I mean, I remember watching that for the final and stuff and uh, hard to disagree with your your assessment. It, it's disappointing just how the under-17s fared at that World Cup, it has to be said. And yeah, that was, I saw parts of that. that was yeah, funny. I mean, the under-17s and the under-20s crashing out it's a, it's a bit worrying because we, we've spoken before about the rest of the world's closing the gap on the top teams in the women's game. And you're certainly seeing it at youth level. And, and Canada's uh, like golden generation is retiring. And, yeah. yeah. And Canada needs to get these outlets more of like League One BC style leagues across Canada. One for the, I, I was talking about this during, in my commentary this weekend and the, UBC, Regina and Saskatchewan games. Saskatchewan, Alberta, Manitoba, they need this to bring this talent through and have more of these opportunities and then obviously a, a pro thing as well. So well done to Geneva, our inaugural winner of this award. Our next award, and you can go any way you want with this. And we'll, we'll start with you for this one, Zach. The white cap to watch in 2023. Now, I will say this has been a bit of a cursed award as well yeah. because whoever we've picked, it's not gone well. Marco Bustos, uh, Caleb mm. Clark, all these guys, the young academy guys. Last year, we, we went with Pedro Viti. We thought he was the one that was going to really come on and light up the game, and he didn't until the end of the season, so it was a bit of a disappointment as well. Who would you go for as the player to watch in 2023? And you can think a little bit out of the box here. I have. Well, yeah. my, well, yeah, my, my. So, again, this is going to make sound overly critical, but I, I think I was joking about him before, but I think I think Russell Tybert is, is one to watch for 2023. I think if the Whitecaps are choosing to use or having to rely on Russell Tybert, I, I, anyway, earlier in the year, they were, there was a number of times. Sure, there's a number of times this season where they 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 had no choice. They were choosing, or they didn't weren't even choosing. They had to use Russell. Russell had to start, mm -hmm. you know, for depth purposes. Um, so it wasn't always first choice necessarily. It was needs must or whatever. But um, I think in 2023, the amount they choose to or have to use him in a starting role, I think really. Will, will go a long way to determining their season. I think the more they have to rely on him or the more they choose to rely on him, 
um, the more difficult it might be for them to achieve their goals. And again, I don't say that, like I've said on the podcast before, to be mean or negative towards Russell. I love Russell as a person. I think he's done great things for the club on and off the field. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoy him as a person. But I, I think that um, if he's starting in 2023, um, it's probably not the greatest uh, thing for the for the the club as a whole in terms of the results on the pitch. Um, oh, that's that's very fair. St- Steve's player to watch was Simon Beecher. He feels that mm. he's going to get an MLS first team deal and build on the success that he's had with yeah. WFC no, no. two and the brief spell that we saw of him in that call up as well. Uh, the one the ones I would have I would have said that are more traditional would be like. My heart would say like Easton and Garo. and then and then I would maybe even though I kind of criticized him earlier, I think a Pedro Vite is a is a significant one as well. If they're gonna keep him and try and um, mm. uh, get the form out of him that they got in the second half of the year or the end of the season, the final yeah. third or it, quarter. It, of the if season. he can bring that form for a whole season, which is what I was expecting yeah. from him this year when we we voted him last year, yeah. I mean he would definitely be up there. He, here's who's won. Are this award for us going back to 2011 Caleb Clark Ben Fisk nice. Sam nice. Arikugby Marco nice. Bustos won it two years 2014-2015 nice Alfonso Davies we've got a good eye <laughs> for talent in 2016 then David Norman won it in 2017 and 18 nice 2019 Jasser Kamiri And 2020, Christian Dahomey. 2021, Pedro Viti. Maybe this is just cursed awards, as I said, because it's like all those academy guys that we picked, which is then why I changed to Jasser Kamiri and then Dahomey and Viti. It's like, let's just steer away from the academy guys because it's clearly the kiss of death for them. Uh, yeah, again, I know he's not an academy guy. But I, I, I'm a, a, why we didn't say on Garo and why I have a little bit of concern over Steve's choice of Beecher because I I find it hard to believe that he's going to get a contract or even if he does maybe out of going to preseason camp or whatever. Uh, I depending on what happens with Cavallini, I find it hard to see him getting the minutes he would need to mm-hmm. really be an impact player or make an impact or kind of be deserving of, of you know this this uh, you know an award. See, for me in that regard. I think we're looking at three players and maybe a, a couple of surprises we don't know about, but three players battling for that last depth striker position. And it's Beecher, Ungaro and Toss Ricketts. I think you only have one of those on the roster. Mm. And it's like, do you go for the guy in Toss that's done it? Do you go for the guy in Beecher that impressed in his call-up, or do you go for the guy that maybe has the most potential of those three to to push on, which would be Ungaro? Mm-hmm. I think I, if I had to just pick the one, I might right now go with Ungaro. I've got to say. Oh, I personally would go with Ungaro yeah. for sure. I mean, my my white cap to watch in twenty twenty three. My selection is actually Diber Caicedo. Yeah, that makes sense. Just because he had such a good twenty twenty where he had a team leading seven assists. He had five goals. And this season was derailed by injury. Although he did play more games than I thought. He actually played 16 games this year, and I felt he'd played less than that. 
And he only got one goal and two assists. But the bulk of the games he played was when the team wasn't good and just was not firing. If you could have imagined a, a fully fit 2020 diver in that tail end of the season playing with Gold and Pedro Vite, oh, just that would have been a joy to watch. Yeah. And that That's what I feel the Whitecaps need next year, but we'll see. Some some might even call him like a almost almost like a new signing next year. Yes, like let's let's go with that. So before more awards to go over this week, well we'll rattle through these ones a bit. So game of the year. Now, I think it's easy to go with a Canadian Championship win on July twenty sixth, and that's that was Steve's number one selection. Yeah. I don't feel that was a great game though. I mean the overall result was great. But it wasn't, for me, their best performance of the season. Are, are you the guy who says you'll take the 1-0 victories to get the results? And was there a bigger result in the campaign than that one? Yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah. I mean, in many ways, it is the game of the year. But I still have a feeling that you're going to go for a smellier option of your of your, of your your beating your good friends. I went with the Seattle win, yes. That, that 2-1 win... Because I described that first half as a performance of the ages. And I think it was mm-hmm. the best half of football we've seen from the Whitecaps in many a year. That's, that's fair. And it was two great goals, which we'll make mention of, I'm sure, in the next bit. And, um, and it's not a, Vo- and not a Voyager's Cup, but it was also a Cascadia yeah. Cup match. Although it snapped a winless streak on, that went back to that, April 2017. Yeah, five years, yeah. I mean, I'm happy to give it to either. Steve's second choice was also that Seattle game. I mean, the easy thing to go with at game of the year, you've won your trophy and it's your first trophy since 2015. I, I, uh, I'm i going to agree with Steve on this because it wasn't, it was, I think what it meant in the moment, I think what it meant come the end of the season, but I think bigger than that, it was the best night for the club yep. in a long time. And so I think that has to be the game of the season, which I'm, I hate to disagree with you on that, but no, it's we'll always, go it's with always the great consensus. to see any team beat Seattle, but yeah. I mean, that's what you want to do. You want to go with the consensus. That's why we've got the, the three of us doing this. And, and it's the Voyager, Voyager's Cup, baby. Yeah. I mean, when you're looking at, at, at that game, I think that's, if you said to the fans, what's your highlight of the season? The vast majority is going to have picked that game. Oh, yeah. And for me, for me, it shapes my perspective on these next couple of awards as well. Yeah, G- goal of the year. You can start. This yeah, one. I'm just going to say Brian Brian White scored that goal in that game, right? That yes, in the Voyagers Cup. Yeah, for for me, it's not the most beautiful goal of the year for sure, but it's the most important. Ah, and I see that's an interesting one. Steve's goal of the year was the second against Seattle, Gressel's Thunderbolt from the edge of the box. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see, it looks but, good from some angles, but not others. Yeah, because Fry got a hand on it. Yeah, exactly. And I think and Fry like should have stopped it. Exa- I think he should have, especially when you see it from the one angle. But it's, it looks nice from the, the other angle. It looks not bad. I, I'm very, very torn with this award. And I actually threw it out on Twitter tonight just to to see what some of the the listeners and and readers thought. And they, they came up with suggestions that didn't make it easier for me as well, because it was the ones I was thinking about. So TJR88 said, 
Gressel versus Seattle, he thinks, but his best goal was Blackman scoring the penalty kick to win the cup. He said, I never felt yeah. better all year as I did after that goal, going back to what we were just saying about game of the year. And yeah, I mean, I I, I totally get that. I get your, you saying as well with the, the white, white goal. Um, Wilson Chung says that the LAFC game and Kubis's goal, which was against Crepeau as well, which a lot of folk oh, enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. But and that was like an 89th, 90th minute yeah. or 80th minute, yeah. And the good thing about that goal is that was, that was Kubis quality. blocks them clearing it to start with, so he breaks up them coming out, takes a couple yeah. of touches to make room for himself and blasts it home. That was also an absolutely fantastic goal. Yeah. I liked the first goal against Seattle, which was Pedro Viti's goal, because right, it was right. a good team goal. And there was, I think, five players in the build-up and some good play by Ryan Goal to get it across. I've always, when we've voted for these, I've always kind of liked to go for kind of team goals more than just the Galazzos. But, yeah, I mean, you've, there's a free kick as well that Diver had, but... It was a good free kick, but I think there was better goals than that. So I think it's a good case to be made for all those. Let's let's have some listeners' thoughts on that as well. Get in touch. Let us know what you think your goal of the season is. Because I don't think there's a clear-cut contender this year. I think you can make a case for a few of those. Yeah, it's a very subjective thing. and Yeah, yeah as is the next category, which is save of the year. Um, I, I think we can give it to Cody Cropper. Yeah. Because all the the saves that came to mind for me are Cody Cropper saves. Yeah. Uh, Steve went for one of his saves against RSL. I went for one of his saves against RSL. For me, it's the... Again, remind, remind me if I'm wrong. He made a save in the penalty shooter, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that has to be it. I knew you were going to say that because you were going down that route of that that game. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's a very good case to to make for that but, as well. But, but remind me, he only made one save in that shootout, right? It was five three, um, and I think it was one save. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's what. That's how I remember. Okay. He had like as soon as he came on for Hassel against TFC, he came up with a big acrobatic stop that across goal. So I mean that that was a good save. He had a couple of big saves uh, against Houston in August. Um, I think it would have been easy to have given him the award for the double save that he had against RSL in that 2-1 mm-hmm. win on June 4th. But instead, I've gone for the one just before that, about eight minutes before, I think it was, in the 52nd minute, which was, he pulled out for me, and I think I said at the time, if there's a better save than that all year, I'll be amazed to see it in a Whitecaps jersey and then it counted for nothing because RSL then scored seconds later to, to tie the game up although Whitecaps did go on to win so it was the ball came in from Herrera to Sergio Cordova's head he heads it in on goal and somehow Cropper scoops it out from the goal line and around the post mm-hmm. huge acrobatic save for, so for me that that's the one that I've gone for save of the year. Yeah, that's fair. So which one is it going to be? I'm, I've I've 
I think I'll go with that one because I think Paul Dolan, a goalkeeper, said at the time he felt it was the best save he's ever seen from the Whitecaps in the MLS era. Right, okay, yeah, I remember that, yeah. So I think if Paul Dolan says that, we can give him the casting vote. But let us know your thoughts on that as well, dear listeners. As we move to the last award for this week, we'll have our more fun awards coming up in, in future shows as well. The Unsung Hero Award. And the Whitecaps do this, and it's voted on the Unsung Hero. And I've actually gone for the same player that, that the Whitecaps went for. And Steve, first of all, we'll give his one. He went for Tristan Blackman. He just feels that he maybe didn't get quite the love that his play deserved for, from a number of quarters. We both had him in our top three for player of the year. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good show from Steve. I've gone with... I, I like I like that. I've gone with Toss. Yeah, I mean... Four goals, one assist, 431 minutes, just two starts. I mean, that's a pretty good output. And and I think for him, that's only looking at the on-the-field stuff, right? There's all the off-the-field yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, he won a Which is a different kind of conversation, yeah. but yeah. But I mean, I, I think those are the two ca- the two prime candidates, really, Blackman and, and Tassin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Blackman's like kind of not unfashionable, but like, yeah, he doesn't get a lot of hype, you know. He, and he's a defender, and defense isn't appreciated in our culture, you know. Well, yeah. Know. Also, when you've got a minus seventeen goal difference, it's kind of hard to, well, to pick defenders. I mean, you can bring awards. up the stats if you want to, Michael. Yeah, but. but we're away from the numbers. It's okay. We we won't That's do right. that. But yeah, if, who do you think your unsung hero would be? Again, let us know with that. But yeah. So, no, I was going to say, yeah, a toss. It's, it's probably got to be Toss. I, I think it's I like, a fair one. I, like the the black, I like the black man. Gave it to, like to black him man as well. But that is it for our part one of our awards. We'll be back, maybe not next week, because we've got some special stuff lined up for next week. Maybe we'll have some special of them Special stuff. Special stuff, yes. Yeah, so I'll come to that in the next part. But, yeah, let us know your thoughts on any of those. If you disagree, if you've got your own suggestions, we'd love to hear them. AFT in Canada on Twitter. AFT in Canada at hotmail.com if you're not on Elon Musk's new toy. We'll, we'll turn our attention to the playoff action and the championship action that's been going on this weekend in the next part. And we'll be back with that after an old favourite that we play every Halloween. I'm David Edgar and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show.
Welcome back to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio 101.9 FM. And kicking off this part, yes, it's my friend's band from Scotland, Marcus Carcass. I know him as Mark. 13 Tombs, former Artist of the Month. I drink your blood. But anyway, let's get back to the football chat. And we're going to kick things off looking at the MLS playoffs. The MLS Cup is set for next weekend. And I think it's the matchup, Zach, that we probably wanted. It's LAFC, Philadelphia Union. For me, it's the two best teams. It's the two conference champions. That's quite rare in MLS days that we get that. It is. I, I think it's going to be the way better cup final than if you had an yeah. NYC side going to LA just trying to bunker and hitting the, the counter-attack for 90 minutes. Austin could have been fun, but yeah, on the, in the oh, East. Yeah, that, I mean, that sure. would have been fun as well, but yeah. Do we want to say yeah. a big well done to Mark DeSantis and Max Cripple? Of I course. Do. Just, well, just annoy well our listeners some more. Well, Max, as you said, wanted to go and win trophies. He's got two. He's on for a hat trick now. That's true. Hopefully I'll catch up with the Mark. conference and, final trophy. Yeah. I shall hopefully catch up with both the Marks after the, the final next week as well. Uh, LAFC, absolutely dominant against Austin this afternoon. 3-0 winners could and should have been more. I mean, Chicho Rango made it 1-0 in the 29th when he headed home a Vela corner. But that first mm-hmm. half, it was just, it was constant LAFC pressure. But I mean, Austin were still in it. And they survived, they bent, they didn't break. But just past the hour mark, uh, a deflection. Oh, Maxi Rito, Rudy. Uh, I mean, so tough for oh. them. It was yeah. game over, really, by that point. But what, what do you think of the penalty that wasn't given? Diego F- Fagundes. So it's 2-0 to LAFC. Fagundes goes down in the box. It's not given. Referee's called over for a, a video review. I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's going to get given. But he didn't give it. Didn't think it was clear and obvious. Did you think it was it, a penalty? It, it, it would be interesting, away from the numbers and all that, it would be really interesting to see how many times in MLS, comparative to Bundesliga or Premier League or World Cup or Euros or whatever, that a referee gets called over to look at, a, a, in this case, a penalty, and says, "No, no, I'm good. I got it right." I, it feels like it feels like there's more in MLS, and I know it does. I know that, I, I, and I, these are you know individual things, and that my you know they're in the obviously for the referee they feel it's the right call, but I wonder like if it's yeah, I wonder if it's just the referees here have bigger egos or if they're out to prove themselves right or I don't know what, but yeah, there's been a, a this is this feels like another one of the calls. This year that you're just like, I don't understand how they went the way they went. I mean, I, I don't know how you get called over and you look at that and you don't yeah. think he he caught the tip of his foot. Yeah. I, and it, I mean, it could have been the game changer because then it's 2-1 and you know Austin's just going to throw everything at them and when they're just chasing one goal, then it's a, a lot, lot easier for them. But um, the deal was sealed. Opoku... Nine minutes to go, made it 3-0. LAFC also got a goal chopped off after that as well. I think rightly so, but it was a it was a job well done by LAFC. And we now know that they're going to play Philadelphia, who 
it was a game that uh, we were talking about this before we started recording. From the early in the first half, it felt, oh, this is nil-nil written all over it because NYC mm. are just, they're trying to play spoilers and, and get to penalties or at best hit on the counter and uh, uh, see what happens. And they did hit on the counter and they went ahead in the second half. And I was like, uh-oh, this is going to be tough for Philly now because I think it was from all the games that New York City have gone ahead in, they'd only lost two all season and it was something like from 19 games. So I I thought, oh, it's going to be NYC, they're going to go on and do it now. But Philly came storming back and came away with a 3-1 win. Yeah, I was concerned when uh, Maxi put him in the lead. Um, well taken yeah, goal. Oh, yeah. And good celebration and um yeah but um good on philadelphia for yeah sticking to it uh knowing their quality uh knowing their class uh trusting their coach's plan um yeah happy for happy for them and as they would say dupe dupe yes (laughs) if if we're talking about game changing moments what about that save from andre blake yeah, I mean he 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 is quite quality, you know, an MLS cream the cream of the crop. As we talked about last week, as Jim Curtin said, you invest in your goalkeepers. It's the most crucial part mm-hmm. of the team. But I mean that if that had gone to two 0 to NYC at that point, that was it, I think. There was no way back for Philly. But instead they went up the pitch and they scored two goals in two minutes. Yeah. Great stuff. Hey, go go on, go on, going back to uh Going back to just for a moment to the the Western Commerce one, which, which referee was it? Was it Villarreal? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I expect better from him. I know. I I hold him in quite high regard, actually. I yeah. I, I haven't seen. I'm I don't know. How he, I don't know how he got reporter, that wrong. No, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming the pool reporter had like asked him why, and I haven't actually seen what what his answer was to it, but. Yeah, I mean, it was a strange one. And, like, LAFC dominated that game. They had 22 shots to Austin's seven. So, I mean, they they were rightful winners. But a team like Austin, when you've got a guy like Drusey that can just change games, when it's a one-goal game, it's so, so, so different. Oh, the, yeah. And he would have taken the penalty, and he, yeah. he has a great record from the spot. And I know Max is good on penalties, but it's a, it totally a game-changing yeah. situation. Yeah. I don't think there's anyone like if you talk to Mark DeSantos about that, I think you've been like, Yeah, they clearly got it wrong. You know, the, Steve Trundle, I think you would have said the same thing. Yeah. The the Philly game. NYC, I just looked to the stats for that. They actually had more shots in Philly, thirteen to ten. It did not feel like that. I was gonna say they weren't the greatest shots though, right? No. They also had yeah. two to one possession because they were just trying to hold on to the ball and keep Philly away from it. But I, I listened to Jim Curtin's interview afterwards and I I won't profess how much I love him again on this show, but long-time mm-hmm. listeners will know a lot of respect for Jim Curtin. And he was just so gracious in victory and just saying, look, we know LAFC, it's a tough place to go. They're a good team, but we've got players that can surprise them and can do damage. And they do. But you've got to say LAFC are probably heading into that as big favourites. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the, I mean, they're the, the higher seed, the support show winner. They they should be the and they're at home, like they should be the favorites, right? So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, I think I think, I think the, that might play the, that might play into Curtin's preparations and and his squad's mentality, though. That might actually actually help them. I mean, to fight back the way they did tonight is going to really mean that even if they go behind in LA, they're going to feel they can get back into it. But it's Ooh. a it's a one o'clock kickoff next Saturday, which. Some of these kickoff times are weird. We spoke on the show last week. I don't know why they had the Western game first. It just baffles me. And then they have yeah. the Eastern game as the, the the late one, which is an eight o'clock kickoff out, out east as well. But I mean, the, I, the first game was good. I was a bit disappointed by by the second game. I've got to say, but the second half, or I guess the last half hour, was like fantastic stuff. But the final next week. We'll look forward to it. I won't get to watch it live because I'm going to be commentating at that, but it should be a good one. But we well, did yeah. have a final to talk about today. It was the CPL oh, final. And Forge made it three CPL titles in four years. And they it was forged ahead with their dynasty. Hey. Yeah, they for, forged ahead with their dynasty. They deserved it, though. It's like I yeah, oh, I did not think Ottawa were very good today at all. They weren't, and as much as I wanted them to win, you can't begrudge Forge. Forge, shot wise, it was twelve to seven, and again, it was a game that it felt a lot more dominant for Forge than maybe some of the stats show. It just we we spoke about this in last week's show that I felt that Ottawa just lacked that attack that was going to do the damage and kill Forge off. I don't think they were very good against Pacific. And they they oh. struck when it mattered and they got some killer goals when it really mattered late on. And that's what got them over the line. But they just had too much to do. I mean, the first goal, you you messaged me, Hojapur, he, he yeah. likes a final, but it was an almost identical goal to last year for Pacific. Was last year a free kick too or a corner? But it was a near post header. Yeah. Obviously, last year was more of this glancing right at the near post, but it was a near post header all over again. It's like you can't, you can't allow, you can't allow this that to happen again to you. Not to you, but like when you know he's done in the past. Like, yeah, you got to yeah. mark better, or yeah, you got to be more aware, or who knows? What? Who knows if they didn't, you know, take that in consideration when they were, you know, looking at this at this game, but or like in preparation. But I mean, Ottawa. I mean, were right in it in, until the 79th minute, but yeah, they f it was a good crowd. 19,000, I think you said it. It was about oh, well, I heard before the game it was 19,000 had been sold, so I think it would have been at least that. Now, the state I forget what the stadium capacity is, but again, it doesn't always look great, it doesn't always translate great on, on, uh, on TV, but um, yeah. I think I haven't been in that stadium since they renewed it, I don't think, because I last time I was there was. The under twenty World Cup in two thousand seven oh, wow. for a quarterfinal between Argentina and Mexico when the only goal was scored by Angel Di Maria, I believe. Um and so they've done a lot of, it's been upgraded quite nicely since then. But I, I've um, not made it through there yet. I wanna to get to every stadium at some point. And again, I'd hope to go to that final, but commentary work and hosting matches unfortunately took that uh, away. That's why I was hoping it was gonna be maybe Pacific or Cavalry that hosted, I could have squeezed it in somehow. Yeah, but I mean, 
Ottawa never really got that crowd. I mean, they raised them a little bit, but they never fully got them behind them. And then when David Chonier, a great, a great goal in many ways, yeah, he did wow. so well. The footwork he showed in the box to make room to get that shot off. All <laughs> absolutely fantastic. Great finish. I do feel Ingham should have done better on it though. Yeah, to get I agree beat with you. that way good... across across your goal, tough. There was some good good scene passing in the build up. The, the like you said, the footwork was outstanding. The the shot from a you know from the attacking team side it, it is good, but yeah, I think you'll feel as a, as a keeper that that wasn't you wouldn't want to get beat like that. No, uh, th- that was lights out. Then Forge Forge had done it, and I, did did you find it? I found it weird that they subbed off. Their best player and the and the freshly announced MVP of the league, when they were only down two goals and there's still whatever it was ten minutes or eight minutes left in the play, like I I found that strange. Yeah, I maybe he had a knock that we don't know about, but it, yeah, I you said it was a weird sub and it's like I didn't get it either. Well, it was like waving a white flag. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to just think maybe they thought Nahan's coming off for him. Let's just try and get some fresh ideas out there. I I don't know. But for Forge, it's a dynasty. They'll make documentaries on One Soccer about this team. I mean, no one's <laughs> going to watch them because it's on One Soccer. But, I mean, they will make those documentaries and probably many, many of them because it's obviously an Ontario-based team. Oh, my. Now, you mentioned the CPL Awards, so we'll just rattle through who, who did get it. We said who we thought would have got it. Marco Carducci won Keeper of the Year, so I was pleased to to see that. He tied with Tristan Henry with 10 clean sheets, let in just 25 goals in his 24 games, and that included missing the first three games of the season and, of course, overcame uh, cancer this year yeah. as well. Yeah, how much do you think, like, not to take away from his on-the-field performances, but how much do you think his story and his comeback and... All that he went through played into him getting this award. I I genuinely think it will have. Yeah, yeah. Um, but not taking anything away from him, he had a he had a good year and he's a great yeah, keeper yeah. and he deserves it. Yeah. Defender of the year was Forge's Alexander Ashinotti Johnson. The yep. the Swede was a rock at, at the back for for Forge this year and how, Forge had the stingiest defence. How many years has he been there now? Is it two or four? three years? No, been? all four. He's been there all years? Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, how did I forget that? Okay. Mm. I remember so, from the Island Games. Yeah, but... he's he's a guy that's just like part, part of the fabric now with Forge. Yeah. Under 21 player of the year was Valor Sean Ray. Five goals, nine assists. I don't want to say carried Valor, but he was a very key performer for them, and it's... So young, he's got a very bright future ahead. The question now, as we've seen this with other Valor players, is do can Valor keep hold of him or is he going to get poached? That is a good question. Mm. Ollie Bassett from Ottawa, Player of the Year. And Hollywood. Hollywood. <laughs> I like that. Callis Gonzalez, Coach of the Year. So no questions there. I saw some folks think it should have been Bobby Smyrniotis, but... Yeah, he won it today, but this was all done before that. You can't not have given it to Carlos Gonzalez for the, turning the worst team last year to the, the first team this year. Fully deserved. Yeah, I think it was deserved. I think Bobby Smirnoff, I mean, he's just like, he's the coach of this inaugural era of the CPL, right? Like, yeah. He's the one. I don't who's think he's had a from... coach of the year award yet. 
Really? Last little bit, CPL expansion. We know they're coming to Langley. Uh, the what? CP- yeah. CPL it's commissioner. Vancouver 2023, Michael. Vancouver 2023. And they're, they're, only, coming to, they're only coming to Langley to, to make announcements about Edmonton future. <laughs> yes, because the commissioner was what interviewed was at halftime saying that, oh, there's going to be, I'm flying to Vancouver on Wednesday. There's going to be a, a big announcement. And folk online are like, oh, I wonder what the announcement's going to be. Do you think it's going to be about Edmonton or is it going to be expansion? <laughs> He's going to Langley for the new team. And I don't think it's a secret that on Wednesday they are having an event where they're announcing the team name, the team colours, the team crest, and maybe a couple of other surprises as well. I don't you can't you can't make it either, Zach. Sadly, but I, they, I'll be there. It's not the biggest surprise. They put it on their social media. Yes, right. November. They put the date November second. So it's, it's not a secret. They, Today they followed up the leaked, the leaked, Im- leaked images, the found images, the whatever images with a picture of some kind of bird of prey in the sky. I don't know if you saw that. I didn't actually, no. Because yes, the the badge and the name was leaked. I, I think many of us have known that the name's Vancouver FC for quite a while now. I didn't know what the imagery was like. And I think it's fair to say polarizing is maybe, maybe a nice way to, to put it. I like it. But I seem to be in the minority here. Uh, I just thought it, it was a nice crest, but it's had a lot of hate, um, as has the name. And I think oh, it's I think unfortunate it, it's got leaked because the club haven't really explained or had the chance to explain why they've gone down this route. Yeah, I think I think the I I think the uh, the the lack of appreciation for this this these images that have been out there are tied into the fact that people don't like the name vancouver fc i think yeah if if the name was different and the the logo was exactly the same which is different words i think you there would be far less vitriol towards it um I, i agree with you it'll be interesting to see what happens on wednesday where they presumably talk about the name the logo reasons rationale all that kind of stuff they I mean, they 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 did the survey with fans. They wanted to hear from people. I I mean, I genuinely believe that they listened to people and they were wanted to see is there something they missed? Is there is there an idea they hadn't thought of? Is there something they hadn't looked at from a different angle that might be better than the advantages they feel that a Vancouver FC can can bring them? And so, even though they it's sounding like they have uh, stuck to what they were thinking would be best um i do genuinely feel like they did listen to people um and uh yeah but it'll be interesting i think when it comes to the logo especially it'll be interesting to hear them explain and talk about you know their direction and the reason why and what colors are involved yeah that's the thing as well because everyone's thinking it's black and white but it it, i think what i've been led to believe it's not black and white or at least not not the home side but yeah like give them a chance to explain it i'll be honest i'm not a huge fan of the name i i think there was way better options i i get why they've gone for that because we spoke to rob and when we spoke to rob when they initially launched the team he mentioned in that chat that vancouver's got more global recognition 
than yeah. some of the the other things you could pick. And he is thinking long term. He's thinking big term. Champions League being on the 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 map, and a lot of folk feel that the local community won't buy into it because it's Vancouver. And then they they point to the crowds that the Giants have maybe got, and they're not great crowds. And other rebranded Vancouver teams aren't that either. But I I just say give it a chance. And you made a very good point on Twitter, Zach. How many folk actually support a club because of their name? It's the culture, the identity, and your sense of belonging to that club. I think is the most important thing. I'm just I'm just thankful we're recording this, and you said. I made a very good point on Twitter. Oh yeah, I'll I'll, I'll cut that. I love saying that. You'll cut that out. Okay. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah. I like. I mean, yeah. It, it creates different challenges for sure. I mean, as supporters, you know, one of the things we've talked about in you know in the last number of months is like, uh, we, yeah. There's a lot of things you can use that have the term Vancouver in them. There's some things you probably don't want to use because of you know their other local uses or whatever it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how the support all plays out but i think there will be there will be a lot of local i mean even it's the name fraser valley fanatics like that i think will probably the name will you know stick around i don't think that i don't think that's that's disappointing because i don't like that name at all (laughs) i just don't like the fanatics i just don't like the fanatics part of it oh oh i like it it just it just sounds weird that's the that's the best part of it the no, Valley for me was the like best in, part. <laughs> oh no! In in Europe, fanatics. It's kind of like some of the more passionate supporters. Yeah, I don't know. Mm, but I then just think fanatical, like some. Oh, he's a crazy a fanatical. I say yeah. I, I don't oh. have good connotations of that name, though. That's the only thing. Uh, but also here, I think for people, it's synonymous with with fans, right? It's like the fans is the short version of that. As as long as your first TIFO is somebody flicking the V's, I'll be happy. <laughs> Are you talking about the first uh, BC Derby? Oh, and oh, ah, or the, or the first Vancouver Derby? Yeah, that would be good. Any, yeah, any think, BC Derby I think would if, be good. If the, if those if that happens, man, can you imagine the first a Vancouver Voyagers Cup Derby? Like, like it was fun being in Victoria, but can yeah. you imagine? At six to eight thousand seat stadium in in Langley, filled with I'll be chaos. Most passionate people. Yeah, it'll, it, yeah, that will be a lot of fun. I'll make sure I stay football violence awareness month for, for the month <laughs> of that. I joke, I joke. Oh. But that that is it for our football chat. We are going to finish with this week's wavelength, and it isn't football violence awareness month. This month we've been playing songs about footballers. So I'm going to round off our football tunes this month. With a song from 2003 by, it's by a band, but it's not really a band, but they're called A Love Supreme, which is actually the Sunderland fanzine name, and it appeared on a, an album of Mackham songs back in 2003, and it's about one of their heroes, and it's a, a very well-known terracing song that was turned into more of a disco tune. This is Niall Quinn's Disco Pants.
I love Supreme, Niall Quinn's Disco Pants. You can maybe adopt that for the Fraser Valley fanatics. There you go. Yeah. But that is it for the show. We'll get this wrapped up before Zach falls asleep in his chair. It's been a long day for <laughs> Zach. We've tried to stifle the yawns. Hopefully we haven't had you yawning as you're listening to this. What's your final thoughts for, for this week, Zach? Anything you want to say? Any goodbyes? Uh, kind of like last week, I forgot what I was going to say. I had something all lined up, but I'll just say congratulations to Forge for uh, winning the uh, their third North Star Shield, and they got to improve that trophy. Um, and um, 
Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary M. Apparently making some, at least sometimes, uh, good points. Yeah, it's, it's rare, but rare. Yeah, yeah. Even both, uh, my tweet, both my tweeting and my good points are both rare. Even a stopped clock is right twice a day, as the old That's saying true. goes. I want to give a big congratulations to NWSL champions Portland Thorns oh, and nice. their huge Canadian connections. Our good friend yep. of the show, Rianne Wilkinson. Karina LeBlanc, Christine Sinclair, Janine Becky. Sinclair got a bit of stick from the commentators. They did not feel that she should have started the game because they just didn't feel she had the legs or the fitness anymore to have that kind of pressing game. But the Thorns won, so what did the commentators know? Yeah. Uh, you, when we we talked about this whatever a week or so ago, interesting to see what's happening in Portland. I, I haven't followed it yes. up since... Aha, uh-huh. we were chatting about this during the week that fans were attempting a, a potential buyout, which realistically, with MLS, NWSL clubs and the money involved, is not going to happen. Fans alone, but they want to get as much of a share in the club as they can and yeah. all supportive of that. Is Paulson going to actually sell? I know he's sort of stepped away. He basically has indicated he... that he's going to hand it over. To, to better guardians is how I took it. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't mean by selling. Handing it over to better guardians running. and only. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think they'll stand for. I mean, they got Wilkinson out, man. They no, got not, Wilkinson not out. Like how long? <laughs> no, yeah, sorry. Yeah, just to clarify. Yeah, <laughs> like how long they've been, they've been trying to get him out for years. Like even the year they won the, they won the MLS Cup. They had Gavinson Wilkinson out Tifo in the playoff run that they got in a ton. They had a ton of uh, goodwill destroyed over over that because they believed in standing up. Well, actually, 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 wasn't even just what it was Wilkinson and Paulson out at, at the time even um, over over different issues. But uh, yeah, I think it it it's yeah. I watched the documentary on that. There's an ESPN. Uh, Oh. It's called E60 or whatever that was on 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 TSN. I need to send you a Canada. couple of documentaries because I wanted to talk about it for TVOD section before you go away because it's World oh, Cup yeah. related, which you might find interesting it, as well for for you going. You you should watch it, Michael. It's it's. I'm it's way quite, behind in all these documentaries it's, it's I've got quite, to watch. It's quite disturbing, and oh. some of it I knew, and some of it I didn't know, and some of it's about different types of issues within the the oh. coaching and and ranks in uh, nwsl and whatever but yeah it's not yeah. been a it's not been a good time there i'll, I'll leave our nwsl talk with this little quote uh Rianne wilkinson was asked afterwards after winning the nwsl as her first year as head coach how does president of canada soccer sound to her and her reply was terrible <laughs> Oh, yeah, that continues to go on and on. It certainly does. Um, Last thing from me, it's what I give a big, big shout out to the UBC Thunderbirds men and women's teams Mm -hmm. in absolutely rampant form just now. Both of them will be hosting the Canada West Final Four next weekend. It was only meant to be the men that was going to get hosted in this neck of the woods. But all the Prairie Division teams... On the women's side, got beat by the Pacific team. So UBC having the best record, 13-1, and one, will now be hosting as well. So the women and the men, if you get a chance to get out to Thunderbird Stadium, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
the games will be clarified in the next couple of days as to exactly what days and times are going to be. Get out and support these players. Some great talent. And on the men's side, there's some players I think you might find playing in the CPL next season. Mm-hmm. Possibly with the Langley CPL side. And check AFTN.ca this week. We're going to have Thunderbirds week. We'll be speaking to both UBC head coaches. Danielle Steer, number nine on the score sheet, number one in my heart, which I'm getting better at saying because when I said it once on the broadcast, I said, Danielle Steer, number nine on the score sheet, number nine in my heart. And it's like, <laughs> or whatever I'm trying to say. And I then find that she liked that. She put it on her Instagram account. She went, here I am, number nine in the score sheet, number nine in your hearts or whatever. <laughs> So I got it right this week when I said it, and I've got it right again. And Victory Shambusho, I've got a oh, chat yeah. with him, and I, I ask him about possibly playing in the CPL next season. So check that out this week. Give us a follow on Twitter, AFTN Canada, YouTube.com, AFTN Canada there as well. We'll be back soon with a special show next week with our world exclusive. I hinted as to what it might be. Oh, yeah. I don't know how many people listen to the end, so I'll throw this out as a little tidbit. But we're going to bring you a new World Cup song for Canada. World premiere. So tune in to next week's show. Until then, thanks for listening. Take care. Mon the Caps, Ali Le Rouge, and all that kind of stuff. Bye, everyone. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.